Welcome back to Corn Syrup, a horror podcast. I'm Tyler. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. I'm Mike. How's the new house coming along there, Mike? The, the podcast studio is coming along. Uh, you know, it's a work in progress. Like I said, it's a $2.7 million project, so we're working on it. It should be ready in about two weeks. We are putting together our horror Christmas wish list. So we're each going to give a rundown of the five items, and I use the word items very loosely. It could be, you know, a remake you want to see, an adaptation you want to see, a sequel, or maybe even something specific in a new release that will be coming out in 2021 that you want to see. Um, so there's really not a whole lot of boundaries there, but we figured we'll get creative here and come up with five horror-related things we want to see in 2021 that we would select on our horror Christmas wish lists. Now, before that, let's get into some horror news. Not a whole lot of um, horror-related news out there. But some but big studio news. Huge. I, I mean, r- frankly, I, I think this is some of the biggest movie news ever. And, like, it's a double-edged sword. It, it's, it's the new Warner Brothers deal where all of their 2021 releases are now going to be available on HBO Max, and I think the way that's working is, um, you know, for example, Matrix 4 was supposed to be coming out in December 2021, so that will now be on HBO Max in December 2021. But, Which is still a long way away. I know. Which is kind of alarming. I mean, this could be the end of the movie theater experience as we know it. I think it will be, especially, you know, you and I were talking about, like, the small town movie theaters, like... You know, I there's a small town movie theater in Ambler, PA, which is like 10 minutes from here. It's called the Ambler Theater. I just don't know how a theater like that could possibly last um, with these these big production studios now streaming these movies instead. But, I mean, two weeks from now, we're going to have Wonder Woman 1984 in our living rooms. A big budget movie. Uh, yeah. We also got the Godzilla vs. King Kong movie coming to HBO. And also we have the the third Conjuring, which will be dropping next summer, and then Dune, the latest by Denis Villeneuve. I think I'm saying that right, but sounds good. I mean, he's really one of the top directors today. He he's the one that brought you Prisoners. He brought Arrival, Blade Runner 2049. So he's Sicario. So he's just a powerhouse. But yeah, huge news, man. Um, like I said, I think I think it's good and bad. You know, it's good that. You know, I don't know how many people were going to feel comfortable going to theaters in 2021. We live in an area where COVID rates are spiking. And I think it even goes beyond COVID, though. Don't you think more people are just going to be super, super safe from here on out, even once the dust settles a little bit? Right. I mean, even if the news tells you it's fine to go out, I don't think anyone's going to be 100% comfortable going to the movie theater, to a packed movie theater. Yeah. I think we're in the time and age where. People will stay in and watch their movie of choice and will be willing to pay $20 to rent a movie. Yeah, the the new Vince Vaughn, I think it's like a black comedy horror right. called Freaky. It's kind of like uh, making fun of Freaky Friday, you know, the whole body transformation. Mm-hmm. But the, the reviews on that are pretty good. And that that's not on HBO Max, by the way, but you can rent that demand. from yeah. Amazon Video. Yeah, that's that. got um, an 83% from critics. And I think the audience score was right around there. And it's good to see Vince Vaughn again. Oh, I love Vince Vaughn. He's like one we of those haven't guys seen him in a while. Whenever you see him in something, like he automatically makes the movie better, even if right. it sucks. 
so that's huge news in the movie industry. In terms of horror news specifically, there's not a whole lot out there since we last spoke to you guys. I did catch a couple horror movies over the weekend, Mike. I saw uh, Underwater, which came out in January, basically right before the world stopped. That's one of the few movies, yeah, that yeah. caught a break right before COVID. Yeah, I did, I did not see Underwater in theaters. I saw The Invisible Man in theaters, and that was the last movie I saw before the world came to a, a shutdown. But Underwater was okay. Uh, you know, it wasn't anything groundbreaking. I actually thought Kristen Stewart was really good in it. And it's it's scary. I mean, like, there's a lot of jump scares, but they do it effectively. And if there's anything that scares me, I'm kind of weird with the ocean. If I can't see, like, my feet in the water, I don't usually go in it. It just freaks me out. Um, is that your worst fear? I think it is. And also, it's not just drowning, though. It's, like, all the little sea critters that you can't see that are, like, swimming around your feet. Like, if you got stung by a jellyfish and someone has to piss on you, that's terrifying. I don't even like seaweed, dude. Uh, there's just something oh, about... Imagine, yeah, just when that wraps around your toes yeah. or ankles... I'm not a I'm not an ocean guy. I'll be honest. That that's the, it freaks me out a little bit. So underwater was effective for me personally. I don't you know it wasn't a fantastic movie or anything, but it's also 90 minutes long. It's worth checking out. Kristen Stewart's very good. Uh, but I saw I also saw The Guest for the first time. This is a movie I was aware of, hadn't seen it before. It directed by Adam Wingard, who directed Your Next. He directed the latest uh, uh, Godzilla movie that came out in 2019. Pretty good movie. I know you've seen it too. I saw it on Netflix uh, two or three months ago. It's one of those movies that you always just pass over on Netflix. Um, yeah. You know, it's the poster of the main character uh, played by Dan Stevens. The poster doesn't really pull you in. No. And you even read the plot doesn't even pull you in there. Um, I think I watched this movie by accident. Um, I wasn't really invested in it the first 10 minutes. I was thinking about turning it off. Really good movie. Uh, I was surprised a lot by it. Um I think Dan Stevens was awesome. Yeah, it kind of plays into like the into the military PTSD a little mm. bit, yeah. um, and a grieving family. Like, there's a lot of small details, small subplots that make this a really effective movie. And on top of it, it's pretty scary. Dan Stevens is great, man, and you can't help but feel for the family. You know, the, the parents specifically. Right. I won't spoil anything too much, but. And also, we see a familiar face in Micah Monroe, I think, if I'm yep. saying that correctly. We know her from It Follows, which is a little bit of a segue for my uh, Christmas wish list. But she's very good in it. I would love to see her in more things, dude. I would love to see her, too. <laughs> no, but uh, Dan Stevens was really good. Uh, you find yourself a lot of times rooting for him. Uh, he helps uh, the child he's kind of mentoring. Like, he helps deal with his bullies so you yeah. cheer for him there but then you also see such an evil side of him that he turns into such an asshole that you hate him yeah he kills the guy from dodgeball <laughs> yeah um i don't think he's famous enough for us to know his name i only know him from dodgeball he, he's and from um grandma's boy he's yeah. uh jp <laughs> good call i forgot <laughs> love that dude but yeah check out uh check out the guest i personally recommend underwater too but the guest is definitely you know if you're choosing between one of those two you're you're it's the guest all day adam wingard's a good director i know that godzilla movie didn't really generate a lot of money and i don't think it was critically liked either i personally have not seen it uh but adam wingard your next is awesome adam wingard also directed the uh the new blair witch from 2016 which okay. was not great 
That's a movie I actually saw in theaters, and I can't tell you one thing I remember yeah. about that movie. I don't think I hated it. I just can't remember a damn thing about it. Very forgettable. Very forgettable, and sort of an unnecessary movie too. Right. All right, man. Let's get into our let's get into our Christmas lists. So we're gonna we're gonna alternate here. We'll give some honorable mentions toward the end too. Um, this was a little difficult, and. It was harder than I thought, I guess. It's something that that we thought would be really easy. Uh, we came up with this idea like a week ago, two weeks, and I was like, oh, I'll just do this like the night before. And here, I was like 20 minutes prior to filming this. I'm yeah. here thinking of ideas. And there's no rules. I mean, you can be as specific as you want or, you know, you can be vague. There, there's no rules to this, but we're going to have some fun with it, um, you know, as a horror fan, especially... You, you and I, I've said it a bunch, but you and I were born and bred on the slasher genre. And the slasher genre, what is it? It's sequels, it's remakes. So a lot of these are going to tie into, you know, what we want to see, what sequels do we want to see, what remakes, what what specific storylines do we want to see. But uh, we're also going to, we'll also go a little bit outside of the slasher genre too. Uh, Mike, do you, so we're going to go in descending order. This, we're, we're going to finish with what? Our number one is our number one. Yeah, so we'll go from five to one. We'll throw an honorable mention in there, and we'll do. And I say we do a gift for somebody we really fucking hate—a piece of coal, if you will. Let's do it, Mike. Why don't you start? Give me your number five, and then I'll give you my number five, and we'll alternate. All right. So on my Christmas wish list, um, I would really like to see a sequel to the 2012 movie Trouble with the Curve with Clint Eastwood. Um. (laughs) You know, I've thought of some titles, um, Trouble with the Slider, Trouble Getting a Boner with Clint Eastwood. No, but seriously, okay. I'm going to go with something I could literally buy on my phone right now, but for $160, I just don't feel like it. I'm going to go with the Friday the 13th box set. Um, I know we've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, This dropped October 13th, so it's been out for about two months now. And I'm not usually a sucker for stuff like this, you know, like, you know, these uh, special features and all that stuff. But the box set is just so pretty looking and it comes with two amazing posters. Mm -hmm. Uh, The behind the scene footage of all 12 movies. There's alternate endings there. So we hear about how part seven always had was was cut down like crazy. There's all this unseen footage that we never got to see. And part seven is already a quality movie. I would yeah. love to see like the behind the footage of that movie. Um, I know there's an alternate ending to part three that we've never seen that is in it that's in this box set. And lately, like I mentioned, I've just been such a sucker for posters. I think it's because I have my own house now, and I just want to hang a poster in my family room at the uh, dismay of my fiance. I just want those <laughs> Friday Thirteenth posters all over. To your point about Part 7, dude, like, the only thing Part 7 is missing is the blood. Right. The censorship hurts that movie, but I think, you know, even when we did our rankings, it was, like, number 18 or 19. It was top 20. And it's not just, like, the unseen footage. It's just all the trailers. It's all, like, the radio spots, you know, and we're talking movies from 40 to 30 years ago. So I just love that old-school feel of, like, the trailers back in the day. I thought they were, like, really creepy. So I would be anxious to see all that. And on top of it, it's all in Blu-ray. Yeah. Now, if you ask me, $160 is a lot of money for Friday 13th movies, for a bunch of movies that you and I have probably seen 30 times each movie. But it's 12 movies. You're getting a lot. 
Yeah. And I really want Santa Claus to put that in my stocking this year. That's a good one. Um, okay, I, I will I will give mine, and uh, I sort of alluded to this already. Number five on my list is a sequel to 2014's It Follows. Ooh. Um, and I only want it if it's being directed by David Robert Mitchell, who directed the first one. And uh, th- this isn't as big of a contingency, but I would love Disaster Piece as the artist who who created the score for the 2014 original. They um, would have to come back. That's that's a great movie, but that was honestly my favorite part of that movie. Agreed. Um, I have no caveat on Micah Monroe returning. Like she could be involved in some capacity, but you could also just do it with a whole other cast. Yeah. Because like that storyline, and I don't think this will ever happen, but it, it lends itself to sequel. Like you don't know how you don't know how this began. the The ending is very ambiguous. You don't know if it's it's not over. It's not something that can end. They just keep passing it, whatever it is, from person to person. Right. Um, like the way that movie concluded is, you know, her her guy friend. I don't remember his name. In the movie passed it to a prostitute. So like this, like this is something that could be delved into again. It's one of my favorite horror movies of the past decade. Micah Monroe is great. Um, would love to see her return. I don't know if that would. I mean, I think she would do it. it, it I don't see why not. I mean, that's kind of what put her on the map. This movie was made on a twenty-three million dollar budget. I'm sorry, a two million dollar budget. It generated twenty-three million dollars, and it's since grown in popularity. Like it's on TV a lot. Sci-fi was playing it constantly around Halloween. It will definitely be one of those movies that continue to grow in popularity too. I don't. I don't think it was as big as it should have been when yeah. it was released. And I, I just think again, I think the storyline really lends itself to a sequel or a prequel a or prequel. something. I was. I was going to say it could work either yeah. way. And with David that movie. and David Robert Mitchell um, really made a name for himself with that movie. He has not. He's only made one movie since, and it was from 2018. It was called Under the Silver Lake. And that's actually not even a horror movie. It's like a black comedy thriller type thing. Hmm. I think Andrew Garfield is in it. Um, so I would love to see him return to the horror genre. And specifically, I would like to see another It Follows installment. And that's that's my number five. And uh, what's your number four there, Mike? Well, all I have to say is that if you're a good boy, Tyler, you might get it. Going on to number four for me, uh, what I want for Christmas in the horror genre this is also something I could literally just buy right now. I'm going to save all the movie stuff for later. Um, so for people that know me, which is millions and millions of people, uh, I collect Jason. And they're not dolls, God damn it. They're not <laughs> dolls. They're figures. I collect figures that are produced by a company called NECA. I promise I'm not saying a racial slur yeah, there. Easy there, buddy. N-E-C-A, NECA. Uh they make figurines for Friday Thirteenth franchise. For some reason, they've only made Halloween two. They never delved into Halloween one, four, really? or five. Yeah, that's only so, Halloween two is the only one. That's so bizarre. They have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original figure. They have uh, it from nineteen ninety and the remake and Chapter Two remake. Hmm. Uh, and they got the Child's Play figurine. I've mostly just focused on the Friday the Thirteenth figures. Uh, right now in my collection, I have part two, part three, part four, part six. Um, I don't have part five. There's actually two versions of the part five. There's the Roy Burns version, 
and there's the actual Jason Voorhees, uh, you know, with the worms coming out of his eyes from the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, they cut it off after part six. There's no part seven, eight, no Jason goes to hell. Uh, they do actually have a Freddy vs. Jason, which I also have, and there's the 2009 remake figure. Uh, so I would really like them to make a part eight and Jason goes to hell figure to to complete my whole collection. Um, there actually is a Pamela Voorhees figure. It was sold one time at a convention in 2015, and if you go on eBay, it's going for like $400. Well, so I think that's like. When I feel financially secure one day, I think that would be like the ultimate cherry on top on my collection. Um, to anyone who's a horror fan and a collector, uh, I urge you to get into this. Uh, I really think they'll be worth a lot of money one day, especially if you, especially if you keep it in the box. But I know there's a lot of urges, you know, urge to play with it, you know, because yeah. we're little kids at heart. But keep it in the box, and um, it really is a cool collection, uh, whether you want the Friday the 13th or the Halloween or all that. You so can, that's what I want. You convinced me to, to start collecting them, man. I mean, yeah. You have, what, a part four and six? I have part four. Yeah, my two, my two favorite Friday the 13th. Yeah, of so. course. That's what you'll go to first is the best ones, and then you just like – and I said that too. I, I think I started off with part four and six. I said, okay, that's it, and then – Eventually, you just want to fill it out. Because the thing is... Like, and it's even, so satisfying when you finally do have a whole collection. And also, like, even though some of the movies suck, like, Jason Goes to Hell sucks, but Jason in that movie, for what little he's in, looks great. Would, yeah. He I, looks awesome. Exactly. So, um, yeah. My first one, we I got on the boardwalk in uh, Wildwood with you, Mike, when yep. for our, our buddy Keith's bachelor party. Yeah, we were walking past the store. We had no idea. You know, and you find these at the most random places. Like, you'll find it... You know, in like a comic book store or something. I actually saw the Roy Burns one in a Target last yeah. week. So weird. And I wanted it so bad, but the box was a little bent up and broken. So I kind of like mine in pristine condition. Well, you know those Target people, when they were putting it on the shelves, they, well, <laughs> they didn't give a shit. Well, I'm looking at that, and there's also like a six-year-old kid that's looking at the toys with me. <laughs> like He's sneezing on it and messing with it. Uh, I will say that the coolest ones that I have right now are part two with the burlap sack, Jason. Yeah. And I think the part three one's actually really cool because the cover is also 3D. So those are my two favorite, but I would really like a whole collection. So I hope Santa brings that to do, me. Do you think part three is like, uh, not to go off track too much, but do you think part three is like the definitive Jason Voorhees look? I th- or part, part, four, part three, four, four yeah. really similar, but yeah, I agree. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to my number four. I'm going into book territory. Uh, my my favorite novel of all time is Stephen King's It, which came out in 1986. This is I'm really I'm really pressing my luck with this one. I would I would like to see a prequel novel to It. I think there's a lot of meat on the bone there, and I think if Stephen King wrote a sequel to The Shining, I don't see why this couldn't be feasible. Whether or not he would ever want to do it, I, I kind of doubt it. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't write a sequel to it because I don't want anything to undermine what the Losers Club accomplished at the end by defeating it, by defeating Pennywise. But I think a prequel would work great. I mean, what do we know? We know that Pennywise 
arrived in Derry, Maine, uh, by way of an of an asteroid, like millions and millions and millions of years before that first novel takes place. So they're like, there's a, there's a lot to uncover. The I mean, the prequel could be from twenty seven years before uh, the 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 original novel with the Losers Club, because we know Pennywise every goes away for twenty seven years. It comes back, and so it could be from twenty years, twenty seven years prior. It could it could be from a hundred years prior, five hundred years prior. Right. Like there there's so much you could do with that, and you could. Uh, you know, you could leave little Easter eggs throughout the novel that would kind of build up to the Losers Club's arrival and everything like that. So I think that's something that w- if Stephen King ever had the desire to do it, um, I think he definitely could. In fact, if you would have asked me before Dr. Sleep came out, I don't know, a handful of years ago, the novel, you know, what what's more feasible, a, a sequel to The Shining or a prequel to It? I probably would have said a prequel to It. I think most people would. Um a sequel to The Shining at the time sounded very strange, and the movie's better than the book for what it's worth. But yeah, I mean, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, you could go back to Pennywise's origin, um, and there's just so much meat on the bone. Like I said, that I think a prequel, um, if done the right way, would be would be great. Um, and I think any Stephen King fan would welcome it. His novels these days are kind of more hit or miss than they were back in the '80s when he was really like in his heyday. And also, not to mention. If you write a prequel to it, I mean, it's going to generate a lot of revenue. Right. So something I really like about the new it and the um, 1990 version kind of covers it, but it's just like the town of Derry in itself. And that's something like you were saying, like it's it's almost like how like the town of Derry is in on Pennywise, but they just keep it a secret, especially the adults. Yeah. You could dive into that, especially, yeah. um, you know, it's kind of Pennywise and the town dairy versus the children. Right. So uh, I think that's a really good one. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do think it's feasible now, whether or not King would want to do it, that's a whole nother question. But if he, if he did want to do it, there's almost endless of ways he could go about it. And, you know, I, endless settings from any year, just right. like you said. Yeah, it really is endless. And that's a really good one. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move. Well, if you're, you know, just write your letter to Santa and it yeah. might happen, Ty, come on. <laughs> Let's move on to your number three. All right. My number three. I'll finally get into the movie territory. What's your opinion on Mike Flanagan? So uh, my when you when you asked me that, my first instinct was to say he's the best horror director currently. He, he's, up there, he, he's up there for sure. And he might be number one. It's, you know, him, Ari Oster, it's Robert Eggers. But Flanagan, especially for mainstream horror, Flanagan is right. definitely king. Right. And he's great. Like you said with Dr. Sleep, um, I agree. I don't think that's, it's really not one of Stephen King's best books. No. Not like I've read it just from all the reviews. It's, it's not. Um, I, I, can, I can tell you that, like, it almost didn't feel like a sequel to right. The Shining. And that movie really had no business being good. No. But Mike Flanagan is such a good storyteller. So there's one thing to remake friday the 13th and halloween and all these other movies but it's another to remake a franchise like nightmare on elm street or hellraiser these are horror franchises with actual storylines and stories to be told and i think mike flanagan's a great storyteller and i would love if he were to do one of these two movies and these franchises hellraiser is a great point i didn't even think about hellraiser because how many, it's such a deep story. How many terrible sequels have been made? That 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 you think that they would have like over. moved on from it? Yeah, like, I don't know. Like they've almost been 
content with you know these straight to VHS, the straight you know because they've they've been making sequels to Hellraiser since 1990, and I know damn well after the third one they all went you know right to VHS. Yeah. So it's not like these are big blockbuster movies, but the first one was a really solid movie. I think it's scary, man. It's, it's really scary creepy. as hell, yeah. and with a deep plot. Yeah. And that's why you know you can't get someone. Like, it's not like one of these franchises that you just get a guy like uh, Marcus Nispel to yeah. make the remake. Like, you need someone that would take it, treat it with care, write a great script. And I think Mike Flanagan is that person, um, whether it's Elm Street or Hellraiser. But you need someone with the vision that he has to take a franchise like these two and run with it. And I have all the trust and faith in the world that he would do that. I had a feeling you were going to say Flanagan for the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. You have a and great- I feel like that's been like a rumor kind of like Maybe. surfacing online, and I'm not basing it off that. That's kind of my own opinion. Well, but- yeah, makes sense. But Hellraiser's a great freaking call, dude. It's amazing that we actually have not seen a Hellraiser remake. It's been 33 years, I think, since the original. Yeah. No one can name... I don't think there's any actual fans of like the sequels. Really, like not U.S. Hellraiser fans, uh, and like I'm, and like they're still making them. Yeah, I know. I uh, I think the last one came out 2015, 14 range. Um, it's, but it's just it's, time to move on with you know and remake it. It's a really good story that I think people from you know 2020 would really like. At this point, like, what is even the demographic for the Hellraiser sequels? Like, I I don't even remember seeing any of the sequels marketed. Uh, no. So like, just just scrap it, start over, market the hell out of a remake, get a very competent, successful director in there like a Mike Flanagan, and it's going to make a shit ton of money. It will. What are, what are you waiting and for? And it'll be made for cheap. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's one of the problems with the 1987 version is the effects and, of course, you know, all the stuff that would be solved if you made it in 2021 or 2022. Um, so I'd really like to see him make a movie like Hellraiser or Elm Street. Yeah. Yeah, if you put Mike Flanagan's name on a Hellraiser remake and you, you know, you make Pinhead the the centerpiece right. of a poster and a marketing campaign, it's golden. Yeah. Then it might be just as successful as Halloween was in 2018. Yeah, could be. So my number 3, I would like to see uh and I I just finished watching this show. I would like to see a season 4 of Hannibal. This is going to sound crazy, but I mean, this show is some of my favorite horror ever. Uh, Mods, if anyone hasn't seen this show, please watch it. Mods, Mods Mickelson or Mods Michelson, I think it's Mickelson, um, is just ridiculously good as Hannibal Lecter. In in a lot of ways, he's better than Anthony Hopkins. And I I only say that because it's a TV show, so you kind of get to see Hannibal Lecter before you know him as Hannibal the Cannibal. Like, there's a very slow buildup, and they just give Mods Mickelson a lot to work with, and he shines. He steals every single scene that he's in, and the supporting cast is great. Lawrence Fishburne as Jack Crawford. Yeah. Uh, you have Hugh Dancy as Will Graham. Um, it's a great cast. It's It was created by Brian Fuller, um, who has uh, done a good bit of horror. Don Mancini wrote a lot of the episodes in, really? the, in the third season. If you love horror, like this has everything. Like it's kind of funny. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Has a lot of gore. Somehow it was on NBC, and I think that scared away a lot of people, including myself when it first came out. Uh, but ignore that. There's a lot of gore. 
it's almost flawlessly acted. Uh, the cinematography is very pretty. The gore is very pretty, like it's done in that classical, tasteful way. This show just has it all. Uh, I'm a big fan of Silence of the Lambs and even some of those other um, movies that aren't quite as good, but based on Hannibal Lecter. This show, it's some of the best horror of all time. Again, I know that sounds crazy, but that's that's my genuine opinion. And also, this one is definitely the most feasible of my three thus far, uh, because Hannibal, although it ran from 2013 to 2015, had a very short run and the ratings weren't very good, and that's why it was canceled. It was on, it came to Netflix early 2020, like actually right around the time the pandemic hit. So a lot of people were home and watching Netflix and shit. Um, and it just took off in popularity. And then, you know, it got people thinking, well, hey, Netflix picked it up. Could a fourth season be in the works? And there's been rumors that there is a fourth season. And they're just trying to, uh, you know, dot their I's and cross their T's. So this is something that's very, very feasible. Um, whether we get a fourth season or a movie or something, uh, sign me up. I would, I would be watching it the first day it was available. I think the biggest fault of that show, like you said, uh, was that it was aired on NBC. Yeah. Seems like it should be on like AMC, like where, like the ratings are, you know, where the expectations are a little bit less for ratings, Yeah. but you can still, but they kind of take like the leash off and you can kind of do your own thing when, you know, you know, like a channel that airs Breaking Bad and all these other right. TV MA shows, um, yeah, it being on NBC definitely did not help. That was a, that was a death curse, and I don't know how they got away with what they did. Like not just the gore, but I mean, um, like there's a lot of there's a lot of sex in it, and I, I don't know how they got away with it. But it definitely was not for the NBC audience, right? And it, it's probably impressive that it lasted even three seasons, to be honest, because I don't think the ratings were very good at all, even though critics loved it. You want to move on to your. Uh, are we in the top two, aren't we? We're already in two, yeah. Let's let's go to your let's go to your numero dos. All right, my number two. I'm going back to one of my favorite franchises. I'm going to the Friday the Thirteenth franchise. Now, what do I want? I don't want a reboot. I'm tired of reboots. I think Friday the Thirteenth was meant to just be twenty sequels long because mm-hmm. it's the same story every movie. No, there's no real storyline, so it's just Jason killing people in the woods. So scrap the whole reboot shit. I want Kane Hodder back as Jason. Bring him back, man. Yeah. I want that Halloween 18 treatment, what they did with Nick Castle, but not just for a scene. I want Kane Hodder for all 90 minutes, even if it's a frail old Jason. I don't care. I think that would add more. I think that makes Jason scarier, to be honest. It kind of makes him more of a legend. Yeah. Make him older, but still make him have like that grandpa strength. Well, and he and he's not even that old. You know, he's not. It, it's not like si- he's sixty, maybe sixty-five. Yeah, and like um, you know, I don't think I've seen any pictures that are really recent. But the pictures that you do see, I mean, he's still a big guy. He still looks like he's physically fit. I just don't think there's any need to keep scrapping this franchise over and over. Why not do a sequel where Jason has killed over 150 people and you just continue from. Jason takes Manhattan or Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. Wherever you want to pick up. But make Jason a legend. Don't make him like what they did in 09. Where in 09 could have easily just been a sequel. There was no need to remake it. Like you could have called it Friday 13th. Some bullshit title that they always add on. Right. But there's no need to make it a reboot. 
especially because they never made a sequel to it. That kind of pisses me off. And it's nothing against like Derek Mears, who I th- honestly one of my top three or five Jasons. Yeah. I just think it would be so cool to go to the theater and see Kane Hodder as Jason again. Yeah. Uh, just even if it was just for one last time and to give Jason like the final farewell that he deserves. And so if like you're going to kill him off, just kill him off then and end that storyline that you spent 15 years building from 1980 or to from 1980 to 2003, really with Freddy vs. Jason. Just give that storyline the ending that it deserves Bring Kane Hodder back. Bring in a, a director who gives a shit, not some music video director. I just want to see a Friday the 13th movie that ends that storyline the right way. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, a new Friday the 13th installment would be the 13th of the franchise. Yeah. So, But it sounds like that's going to be another reboot. Yeah. So, I mean, not like I won't be first in line for that movie when it comes out, because of course I will be. So I'm I'm totally with you on that, and your your number two is gonna tie in with my number one. So that that's all I'll say about that for now, and I will move on to my number two, and it's simply it's a remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street. We got one in 2010. Uh, hate that movie. Just hate everything about it, pretty much. A lot of people do, and I just it's a shame that we don't have a good Nightmare on Elm Street remake because you know. We don't really have a good Halloween remake, but we do have uh, Halloween 2018. We have a good Friday remake, good Texas Chainsaw remake. We even have a good Child's Play remake, and that franchise is still going strong. Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and specifically, I want my director to be Andy Muschietti, uh, the gentleman who directed uh, the reboot of It and It Chapter 2. I know It Chapter 2 was a little bit of a misstep. I know you didn't like that movie at all. I, it's not so much the movie. I just don't think there's too much to be told with the part two of the It story. Me too. I, f- I felt the same way about the 1990 version. Yeah, I I've, I have since rewatched It Chapter Two. I saw it in theaters. I rewatched it. And it's long. It's long, and there's definitely a lot. There's there, there's definitely a lot wrong with it. Um, it but Chapter. That's not his fault though. No, Andy's fault. It Chapter One is great, by the way. His 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 movie of It Chapter One is just great. probably top three of the decade, right? Yeah, top three horror. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but you look at Muschietti, a guy who brought like this larger than life character in Pennywise back to the big screen in such um, in an impactful way. Bill Skarsgård was freaking great. But I see Pennywise similar to Freddy Krueger in the way that he speaks. He is this, um, he's not only scary, but he's in your face. He has this kind of campy, funny dialogue, but he's menacing at the same exact time. So that's why Muschietti would be my director for A Nightmare on Elm Street, because I'm putting Pennywise in, in the same vein as Freddy Krueger in that sense. Prior to 2017, when it came out, no one ever really associated Freddy Krueger with Pennywise. Now it kind of you know with how the way he brought Pennywise back into the spotlight. Yeah. Why can't you do the same with Freddy Krueger, who's actually more polarizing and a bigger and a bigger character than Pennywise is? Yep. And Muschietti also knows how to put together a very good story. So it's not it's not just the fact that Pennywise and Freddy Krueger have some similarities in character, but Muschietti is a guy that has a track record of developing a. a a story that you can kind of like relate to and feel for and good characters. So Muschietti would be my guy. And if 
Robert Englund is not up to it, which I, at this point, he's he's 73. I mean, I, I know Englund. He's, he's 73? Yeah. Wow. And I know he's been back and forth. Like, he's been noncommittal. He's he's never blatantly said he's not going to be Freddie again, but he definitely has not committed to it either. It would definitely be more of a studio choice. Yeah. I don't think any studio would really bring him back at this point, as sad as that sounds. I, I, it kind of would be like a mutual thing, but... I have two names... For my Freddy Krueger. Let's uh, hear him. I have, a, I have a 1A and then I have a 1B. I think the first one's a lot better. Ben Mendelsohn. He's kind of got like that creepy vibe. If anyone's ever seen the Netflix show Bloodline, he's total fucking creep in that show. I mean, I could just see him like he has he has a good way of, of talking to. I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but he's, he's like a smooth talker. Uh, you put you put makeup on that guy. He's already kind of creepy looking, but if you put the Freddy Krueger makeup on that guy, I think he would be really effective. It's a solid choice. He's fifty one, so he's not too old. I don't think you want anybody too young. Even though Bill Skarsgård was like twenty eight when he did it, yeah. twenty seven. Yeah, which leads me. So Mendelssohn is my clear cut favorite, um, based on my scientific research. And then my my one B, I went for. Um, this is probably a reach. I I would say Mendelssohn's probably more likely. But I went for, because of the Muschietti tie to the Skarsgård family, I went with Bill's brother, Alexander Skarsgård, who is a very diverse actor. He's younger than Mendelssohn, but probably more accomplished and would probably cost more, which is why this is probably less likely. But um, this has nothing to do with horror. But I, I watched the HBO show Big Little Lies with Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman and a bunch of other good actors. He's fucking intense in that show. Um, and I, I think if, if he, even if he wasn't Freddy, I think he could really pull off like a good horror villain. And again, because of the ties that Muschietti has to the Skarsgård family already, Alexander Skarsgård was my, my number two. It's pretty good, man. Uh, so that, that's what I got. Nightmare on Elm Street remake, Muschietti at the helm, Mendelssohn, or uh, Bill's older brother, Alexander. I uh, think that the Mendelssohn one is a great call. Yeah. I uh, think Skarsgård is a little too handsome to be a Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I know. You know, like, like would he really be like a child rapist? You know? I know, I know. <laughs> but hey, makeup, makeup, you can, can always, do, makeup right. can do some things. But um, like, Mendelssohn definitely has the more natural, creepy look. Yeah, he's he's definitely the 1A choice. And I think that's yeah. that's a really solid pick by you. I've I've always had someone in mind for Freddy. He's kind of like a low key actor, so this might seem out of left field. Do you ever see Westworld? No, I, I haven't. I'm I'm familiar with the show though. Jimmy Simpson, uh, long lanky actor, creepy. Okay, that's what I look for in actors. Uh, that's a great show. I watch. Uh, he has cameos in Always Sunny, so he's got some humor to him. Uh, I I always pictured him as a good uh, Freddy Krueger. I think he's been nominated for an Emmy on uh, Westworld. That would be my choice for Freddy, but you've talked me into Ben Mendelsohn. Well, you know Kevin Bacon is on the record of saying he would do it, right? I was just going to mention him too, because like you go to like any horror message boards online, like people are always. That's like the obvious choice, you know. Like it's, it's, it's too on the nose. It's for me. too right, like yeah. like to the point where it would never happen. Kevin Bacon, like Mendelsohn and Skarsgård, they're both very accomplished, but they're not, I wouldn't say they're mainstream per se. But you don't want someone mainstream to play. That's what I'm saying. And Bacon is definitely a lot more mainstream, I think. Right. Like, yeah. you would just be looking at Freddy Krueger like, oh, that's Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon you know? right. Yeah. That's why I think Mendelssohn would be perfect, because you know he's good, but I don't think a lot of people really know about him. He's also done horror shows before. He was in The Outsider, which is actually a mm-hmm. Stephen King adaptation. I think that was on HBO. So he's been 
he's been in the genre before too. And to be honest with you, I don't I don't know what's taking them so long to make this nightmare remake. Um, after the success of it and Halloween, I mean, it's clear that fans will pay money to see this, you know, to see any type of these main slashers yeah. on screen again. It's a matter of when, right? Not if. Right. But, and, but it, I, and I'm sure that this pandemic yeah. didn't help anything. Let's move on to, well, you want to give some honorable mentions before let's we Let's do get an honorable mention. Ones? Uh, you want to save our coal for last? Yeah, we'll we'll call the honorable mention stocking stuffers. Okay, these are like the the gifts before the gifts. All right, something I want I want people to stop thinking that Netflix horror movies are any good. Can we stop like overrating every movie that comes out on Netflix? Like oh, man, you didn't like one br one br exactly. You know, and I have that written down my notes. Like I, one br, I didn't like, like it. Bird Box. Oh. Now there are some good ones, but. That's kind of like because of Mike Flanagan, like Hush and Gerald's Game. Yeah, you're right. No, but and um, Creeps a good movie. So I'm gonna name the good ones just to get them out of the way. Both Creeps, both Creeps are good. Both Creeps are are solid. I think that just more falls in line with like the marketing of Netflix because like you go online, it's like oh you gotta watch One Bedroom or Open House or The Babysitter. All of them are shit movies. You don't need to tell me that they're good movies because I'll watch it for myself. And they're shit. They made a um, sequel to The Babysitter. And, and yeah, I, I'm i not watching it. It's, I mean, if you don't like the first one, you'll hate this one. I walked in on my fiance watching it and I walked right back out of the room because I'm not wasting 90 minutes of my time right now what, to dude, watch you, this. You don't like Bella Thorne? Actually, no, I don't. I, <laughs> I actually find her quite annoying. She is annoying. I think Stranger Things is highly overrated. Yeah. Especially the last season or two. We just need to stop overrating Netflix horror movies. Uh, they're not as great as social media makes them out to be. Mm-hmm. So that's my stocking suffer. I think it's just because everybody has Netflix. Right. And it's it's probably good for like the horror genre that there is a gateway for horror to get out there. Even though it's not it's true. Just, it's not just Netflix anymore, obviously. But And like, I'll never tell people to not watch horror movies because right. it's the best genre in movies. Here's my... Honorable mention, aka stocking stuffer. This is really just super vague, and this is really just like a blanket statement, kind of like yours was actually. I just hope the new Child's Play TV show called Chucky on Sci-Fi. I just hope it's good, and I like. I don't. I just. I just. There's. I don't. To me, there's no other creative team in horror that is easier to root for. Other, Brad you know, more than like Mancini and Dorif and Christina Lee's friend of the podcast and. Um, Alex Vincent, like these, I just root for them because they're they're still making these movies. And unlike Hellraiser, where people don't give a shit about those terrible sequels, these are quality. Yep. And you could tell, like Mancini's getting better at them as he's going. I mean, we had a lot of problems with Cult of Chucky, but it was a pretty well-made movie. Yep. Uh, so Mancini is still kind of like mastering his craft, and he's still putting a lot of hard work, a lot of efforts. Um, into this stuff. I don't know exactly how a child's play TV show is going to work, or we're, I don't know if they're picking up after Colt or if it's like a new timeline or, or what. I have no idea. I just hope that it's good, and I hope that people watch it. I hope that it's well received. I hope there's a second season and a third season. I just wish the best for Mancini and that creative team. I, I, I just hope it doesn't bomb. I don't think they would make a TV show if they didn't have a steady plan in hand. Um, I think they know what they're doing, and 
we trust the people that are running it. It's not like it's some random schmo making a Chucky series. I think he's going to take good care of it, and I I think it will be good, but you can only pray that it will be, and I think that's a good stocking stuffer. And obviously, you know, they they rightfully felt burned by the remake, so, like, you just hope they can bounce like, you back. You know they want to come back and yeah. just and I, blow and that I, shit out of the water. I hope they bounce back with uh, with some quality stuff, and uh, that that is my stocking stuffer. Do you want to move on to our number one? Let's do it. All right, so what I want for Christmas overall, this is going to be controversial, so don't hate me. I want Laurie Schrode to die in Halloween Kills. Wow. Yeah. Mic, mic drop. Oof. Should I just stop there? No. All right. Let me hear it. I think the storyline is done. I don't want to see two more movies about Michael Myers chasing Laurie Strode. Um, when you drop the Halloween 2 movie, so they're not siblings, why would Michael Myers keep chasing her? If it's just someone random. And I just think the storyline's played out. Um, Michael Myers shouldn't be chasing anybody for 40 years. Because if he did, he would kill them. I don't think Laurie Strode's above anybody. I think Michael Myers kills anybody he truly wants to. Especially after three or four movies. Mm -hmm. I think Halloween 18 did a great job of setting up, you know, like the family tree of, of Allison. I don't want them to pass it on to Karen. Because uh, I don't think Judy Greer was anything to write home about in 2018, in yeah. Halloween 2018. But I don't think it should even be about the Strode family. I mean, Michael, My it should be about Michael Myers versus everybody. It's not Michael Myers versus Strode's, which is kind of what Halloween 2018 turned it into. I'm kind of wishing, and I was thinking about this when I was taking my notes, I kind of wish Laurie Strode was introduced in Halloween Kills, like the way they're bringing back like Tommy Doyle and Lindsay Wallace, I feel like that would have made it a lot more epic. Yeah. Halloween 2018, like they could have brought in Allison and Karen and then did a plot twist at the end. Like, oh, so Michael Myers stalks a babysitter in, in 2018 and then he finds his way to Allison and to Karen and it turns out that that's Laurie Strode's granddaughter and her daughter. And the plot twist at the end of the movie is, oh, that's Laurie Strode. Sets it up for Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends. Um, with Halloween 2018, it just made it seem like it's Michael versus Laurie once again. But then you drop Halloween 2, so they're not brother and sister. So it's like, what's the point? If you're trying to make it random, Good why point. is he still attacking the same person from 40 years ago? Um, so I think Laurie Strode should get cut. In Halloween Kills. I think you should give her an honorable death. Unlike what Resurrection did. Sure. I think she's going to last the majority of the movie. But I think it's time for Laurie Strode to be killed off. Because this franchise is about Michael Myers. Uh, I think Laurie Strode served her purpose. I don't want to see another two full movies. About Michael versus her. Um, I think you kill her off in this movie. And you leave Halloween Ends with Michael versus Allison. I give you credit, man. You put a lot of thought into it. That's for sure. Um, I don't, I don't really have any, I don't have a rebuttal. Cause I think you, you raise a lot of good points. Um, and I think there's a right way to kill her off. Of I think course. there's a right way to, you know, the only, the only thing I'll say is, although you raise a lot of good points, I, I don't think it will happen. I think it's not, <laughs> I think Judy, Judy Greer probably dies in this. I, I think Judy Greer dies in Halloween kills. And then I think, 
Laurie Strode dies and Halloween ends. With Allison probably killing Michael at the in right. Halloween ends. And Allison's kind of the last person standing. That, I just don't want to see Michael focused on one family. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, because then it's not random. You're right, because they scrapped the whole brother. Story like, line. if you didn't scrap Halloween 2, then hell yeah, then you do another trilogy. But, sure. you know, you have the balls to scrap Halloween 2, the second best movie in the franchise. One of the best slasher movies of all time. Yeah. Then I think you should be able to move on from Laurie Strode. I know they won't do it, but that's why it's number one on my list, and I hope to see it come next Halloween. Great points, man. I, I got I got nothing to add, so I will move on to my number one. And my number one, uh, again, it ties in with your... Number two. Number two. And you, you mentioned the possibility of a new Friday the 13th movie, preferably not a reboot, but just a sequel. Mine's, mine's a little more like black and white. I want the Friday the 13th lawsuit to be settled. Uh, so currently, Sean S. Cunningham, who's the director of the original, um, owns the rights to it. Victor Miller wrote the screenplay. He sold the screenplay rights to Sean S. Cunningham and whatever production studio that was at the time. I think it's I think it was New Line Cinema. And there was a clause in that contract. After 35 years, Victor Miller um, could then have the option to terminate that sale, basically giving him back his rights to his screenplay. They are in a lengthy legal battle um, at this point. And obviously, it all comes down to money in the end. But the people that are really losing are the fans. The, like, the people like you and I that buy the NECA action figures and the people that pay money to see Friday the 13th in theaters, the people that buy Jason Voorhees Halloween I, uh, buy, I I have bought their video game, yeah. their PS4, and that's even having problems. Like they can't update that exactly. game because of the legal battles. There's only been a couple updates since that game came out, and then the legal battle took place where Victor Miller, mm-hmm. I guess, 35 years had passed, and Victor Miller jumped into a pretty quick lawsuit. If it, it sucks for horror fans and slasher fans that this is ongoing, it, it's always a shame to see something you love be torn apart by money. It's easy for us to say because it's not our money. But like we just want to see Friday the 13th. We want to see Jason back on the big screen. We want to see the video game update. It just sucks all around because the fans like you and I, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a fan too. Like We are the ones that are suffering. Um, so I just want that lawsuit to end. A new movie would be great. But at number one, I just want the lawsuit to end. That way we can kind of, um, you know, the, the dust can settle a little bit and we can all collectively move on. We really need a new Friday the 13th movie. It's been 11 years, but for some reason it seems a lot longer because we've only had about two in almost 25 years. Yeah. And it's, and you hate to see it just come down to lawyers and I know. contracts. Like for something that everybody wants, you know, because everybody's rooting for this to be over. But for some, you know, all it takes is just one lawyer to make it not happen. But like, and, and that's the reason you're seeing so many Friday the 13th fan films pop up because um, there's nothing so I, I guess you can look at it if you really want to put a positive spin on it maybe you don't get Vince, the Vincent DeSantis of the world making these fan films if it wasn't for the lawsuit but it, you and I know that that's not the same you know we want to see Jason on the big screen we want to see updates to the video game we just want Jason to be present again um, and it sucks but I actually do have a lot of confidence that something we will get some good news on that front in 2021. It's been a long time and there's been rumors of it ending, but it just hasn't happened yet. Right. 
And I know Halloween was kind of in the same situation. I don't think it was more of a lawsuit, but they were in like this limbo from, you know, 2010 to 2016. They couldn't figure anything out until Danny McBride and David Gordon Green came up with a script that was finally accepted. Now, I know it's completely different from being in a legal battle, Mm -hmm. but these types of franchises always just kind of stay in limbo, whether it's legal issues or script issues. And I really think eventually this might come true. Maybe it may not come true for your Christmas in 2020, but you know what, man? You keep wishing. This might be Christmas 2022 or something. The irony is, like, Sean S. Cunningham was always on the record of... um... Like, he knew he was ripping off Halloween. Yeah. So, like, it was always about the money. And, like, that's the it one was. That's the one franchise that never shied away from that fact. Like, you know, Wes Craven made Nightmare on Elm Street. Wes Craven was trying he, to make money. But Wes right. Craven all, he, he had all, an original idea. A vision. Yeah. You know, uh, so Sean S. Cunningham was never shy about this right. being, you know, all about the wallet. So, here we are. But hopefully that's coming to an end. Before we get out of here, man, let, let's get to our... If, if you had to give your, your worst enemy a horror-related Christmas gift, the equivalent of Cole, what would you give that person? Somebody I really fucking hate. I will give them a VHS copy of a sequel to Halloween Resurrection. Picking up right after Halloween Resurrection. Like, what happens to Michael when his eyes open up in that morgue? Well, let's find out, and I'll send... And and I'll send it to my worst enemy. I don't want to disrespect Rick Rosenthal because he because he was behind Halloween two, but he also did that piece of shit Halloween Resurrection. Uh, so I say we bring him back for the sequel to Halloween Resurrection. Screw it. I would give my worst enemy a sequel to Halloween Resurrection, and let's make it a three hour sequel. Uh, I, I'm gonna my worst enemy. Um, I look back on our rankings for the slasher movies, and I, we're going to do a whole episode about this one day, about what we think we got wrong. I think the worst movie out of all those 51 movies, we did not rank last. And Halloween Resurrection is fucking terrible, by the way. So there's no debating that. My worst enemy... Is it Texas Chainsaw? No. I, I would give them a DVD of Freddy's Dead. <laughs> Awful fucking movie. Just a complete abomination, a big slap in the face to Freddy Krueger and Robert Englund. So whoever my worst enemy is, uh, I'm, I'm putting a ribbon on a copy of Freddy's Dead. And and, that is and you're probably right, because you can be stoned and drunk and still watch Halloween Resurrection or Texas Chainsaw, The Next Generation. Yeah. But you watch Freddy's Dead, and like they try to be smart, and I think that's the worst part about it. Yeah. We we have talked about how we want to go back and vi- and revisit our top fifty one yeah or or slasher movies of all time. We will probably next re rank sum- them next summer, like after a year of yeah. We, we definitely we, we started will. that back in July, probably for our one year anniversary yeah. of the podcast. We'll do that. But moral of the story: fuck Halloween Resurrection, fuck <laughs> Freddy's Dead. We hope you guys get what you want for Christmas, whether it's horror related or not. And we will talk to you guys in a couple weeks.